And so we've got this amazing, like pure product, but the way we talk about it, we just created a platform to have as much fun as we possibly could with it. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm telling you, if you have a big idea, you're a big dreamer, maybe you have a hobby, something that you love, you can turn it into a business. And today's podcast is great for people who are really looking at how they can turn their passion into something much bigger. Brian Smith is an advanced sommelier. He is a Wink COO and co-founder. Brian is driven by a passion to share great wine with as many people as possible. I feel like him and I have the same passion. The role of Wink co-founder and COO furthers his mission to create and connect great products with today's consumer. Brian combines his years of experience as a sommelier, winemaker, and brand builder to oversee the world's most innovative and culturally relevant wine program. A firm believer in creative collaboration, he's led Wink to partner with Charity Water, New York Times bestselling author Atticus, and designer Jonathan Simkai. Brian and his team of winemakers carefully craft more than 100 wines a year from grape to glass. Prior to Wink, Brian founded successful finance and fashion startups. His previous wine experience includes creating the wine program for the tech-enabled Clo Wine in New York and founding the millennial cult brand Jolie Follet Rosé. You guys, listen to this show. If you want to scale whatever it is that you are doing, listen in to how creative he's gotten with something that maybe did not have a very creative background. Let's go. Brian, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you are doing some really cool stuff. I would love for you to give a little bit of background before we dive into just like all of the other amazing uh, topics we were chatting about earlier. But if you could give a little bit of background into what you're doing right now and also what you're most excited about right now. Cool. That's awesome. Right now, I'm sitting in my garage uh, working, which <laughs> is really what I do cool most of the garage, time. By the way, I'm really excited to get out of my garage, as many of us are. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, jokes aside, I- I'm really lucky. I get to do uh, something that I absolutely love. I uh, fell in in love with wine uh, a long time ago. Never. I didn't grow up in a wine drinking family. I was uh, uh, a pro snowboarder, so I was more on the sort of um, Paps Blue Ribbon train than, than wine, uh, but ultimately um, was exposed to the category and, and absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and many years later, uh, what I do today, I'm uh, co-founder and president at Wink Wines, where we are um, a direct consumer winery. Um, we create brands and um, connect with consumers online and offline as well. Some of our notable brands are Summer Water and a new one that we just launched that's really exciting called wonderful wine cup. So I get to be an evangelist for something that I personally enjoy, mm. that I love the creativity and craft that goes into. Uh, and um, we're constantly innovating and figuring out how we just reach more people uh, mm. with this message. Oh my gosh. So uh, something you don't know, I'm extra inter- interested in this conversation right now because I'm starting a wine-based seltzer. And just like, talk. yeah, <laughs> literally, I'm so excited. And by the way, I've drank plenty of summer water um, and it's it's awesome. And I think it's so cool how, number one, I was a snowboarder as well and drank plenty of Pabst Blue Ribbon. So this is, this is great. All right. we, could, we could talk about that um, evolution uh, of ourselves <laughs> and our palate. But with that said, I really like to know like, that that point in your life of how this even happened? Like, how did this become an option for you? Because 
you know, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, so a lot of our audience is like entrepreneurs or dreamers or people who want to like get that spark of like, how do I reach the tipping point of knowing this dream is the dream? So I love to talk about that place where you were like, you know what, this is it. Like, I'm going to follow this and I'm going to go all in. What, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. I, you know, I left college and just went to snowboard more. Yeah. Um, I, I competed in college and after college, I, uh, I did a season in Utah and then I made my way to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, so I was kind of living in Jackson, um, you know, ski bum lifestyle, snowboarding every single day, not even really working for a while. Um, <laughs> just kind of making it happen. Yeah. And I ended up, I had to get a job. Um, you know, my snowboarding sponsorships were kind of meager and kind of dried up and I was doing more backcountry riding. And uh, I got a job in a wine shop and I had no idea like anything about wine. Um, it was a liquor store in downtown and people would come in and ask me, you know, what's the difference between a, should I get this Cabernet or this Cabernet? And one's like $50 and one's like $12. Yeah. And I had no clue. I didn't even know what Cabernet was. And it was kind of interesting because it was actually out of that like inability to, to serve the customer uh, and insecurity around the product that yeah. I started reading about it, tasting. And as soon as I had this like experience of where you could read about the history or a place mm. or the, the rich culture, um, where it is on the hillside, how close it is to the river, what grape it is, what time of year, all of these things that are sort of um, factual uh, and inputs mm. that could help inform how you enjoy something on a sensory perspective. So is this combination of this like, incredible data and diversity, rich cultural history mixed with a sensory experience and being able to combine. When I combined those two, I was like, this is so cool. I want to learn about this. And not only do I want to learn about this, but I want to tell every single person wow. I know about this. Mm -hmm. And I think I was lucky because they were all snowboarders. We're all my friends. So it was, I got to evangelize the category with them, put wine in their glass, get them excited about it. Um, and that's when I was like, I want to be, I'm just going to be a sommelier. Like I want to go be oh a sommelier. I'm just going to focus on this now. Yeah. And you can imagine like as a snowboarder, you can imagine living in a mountain town, like, yes. um, you know, it's kind of a dirt bag, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. a really good snowboarder, had a really great life, like not afraid to couch surf or anything like that. Yep. <laughs> uh, and going from that and being like, going back to that network and those friends and being like, you know what? I'm. I'm not snowboarding and I'm not going out partying because I'm studying the sub sub regions and Appalachians of Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, and I want to understand, like, I, I want to understand this at a really deep level. My friends were like, what has happened? Yeah. Like, what happened to you? Did some um, of them like get interested along with you? Yeah, we did. It, it, it's kind of amazing actually. So yeah. I was one of the first, I got really fired up on it. And then I started to get some of my friends into it that were um, in the restaurant uh, business there. And it, as it turned out, there was actually this crop of like really talented food and wine people that came out of Jackson Hole. We had one sommelier who became sort of our mentor who moved to town. Wow. Um, but there are uh, Chris Bittinger, who is an amazing winemaker at Grovant. He has his own wine label at Limerick Lane. Jason Barakowski is a chef in Oregon at this uh, organic high-U wine farm, which is really famous. There's about eight people that have kind of sprung out as restaurateurs. Four of them are winemakers mm. uh, and, and a couple of chefs. So it actually created the, in this tiny mountain town, just this really creative community of people that are now really respected and, and well-established in the space. It's pretty wow. bizarre. It, it's bizarre. Happens. And it, it also is just like so holds up with that theory of like, you know, kind of who you're hanging around. And if, if you become elevated and a couple other people catch on, it's just like, that's why you'll see these groups of friends and people like all running together who are really successful because it just, it kind of spurs that conversation. It all winds up, you know? Wine, yeah. no, no pun intended. I said wind, not wines, but I like <laughs> wines better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's no, so cool. It's so true. It's kind of like you start to, I was talking about this um, with my business partner about something else. I mean, we really live in our businesses, right? Like, yeah. we, like he and I, that's all we talk about all the time. It's, you know, we're talking about macroeconomic things, but it all comes back to this. We're just living in our business. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it pushes sort of creativity and conversation and progresses people at a rate when they're kind of living in this passion or this thing that, that's really tough to find uh, sort of on your own. And I think that's yeah. what happened in Jackson Hole. All of our 
time together were creative conversations around subjects that we were just super excited about that actually became, you know, really great careers for everyone. Yeah. And, and it doesn't surprise me like a group of, you know, snowboarders either because they, as much of, you know, dirt bags that, that they all were and we oh, all totally. were. Yeah. We know what we're saying. Like, we're just kind of, I, I trust me, there, there isn't a better word for, for a couple of years of my life. But it, it definitely, they were also, also like so creative, like because it was an outlet, right? So for a yeah. lot of like creative frustration is what I, what I found for a lot of them, like artists, yeah. musicians, like all of those things. So that does not surprise me at all. Like when you can change all that into something that you enjoy. Um, and also I love, uh, like, I think wine is, it's so, it's just so much fun because it is like the, when I talk to a lot of people about falling in love with wine, it's like such a visceral moment. Like my husband and I, whatever bottle we're opening, we always ask, like, we pick a memory from that year of whatever was going on. And we always say, where were we and what were we doing? And then we think about the winemakers and who like what they were doing. And it creates this like really, it's just such, it, it makes just drinking wine into an experience. And it sounds like you're obsessed with, you know, like creating experiences yeah. for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. That That is a big part of it. And I did that. So I had a big wine collection when I lived in Jackson. And when I moved out there, moved out of there to go be a sommelier, uh, I sold most of it. And I gave one bottle to a friend who let me stay on his house and on his couch for like two weeks before I left. And I wrote, don't drink until, you know, 15 years later and gave yeah. it to him. And he had no idea what it was. We kind of lost touch. And he, he got my number and, and sent me a text. Years later, he had waited and then actually had it uh, like with his now wife yeah, and was like, I just drank it. I was thinking about you and reached out. Yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing that, that just a, a bottle of wine can do that. But yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever creating experiences are, I mean, we're, we're starving for them, right? Yeah. Like in this, in this current time. And I think wine just has historical significance yes. and efficacy for creating experiences, right? It's a mm -hmm. shared experience. So you open the bottle, you share it with people. You typically sit across from people. Um, you're engaged. You're kind of trying to take time out and it can really, it can be its own experience or it can be a great addition to a moment in time where you're like kind of stopping and pausing yeah. and, and just like living a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's a it's a time capsule for sure. Like um it just locks that it can really lock in memories, which is so cool. So what would be an idea like if you if every bottle of wine you knew could send out an experience to people, like what would that what would that experience be for people when you are knowing that they're getting a bottle of wine? Like what's the perfect experience? Uh the perfect experience. Hmm. I'm going to have this I'll try and articulate this succinctly. I'm sure you can tell that the way I speak sort of rambles oh, on. Oh, I make on. no sense. So welcome to the show. <laughs> so I will follow what you're saying though. I think now, I think right now it's just like that moment of pause and like mm. self-care, right? There's something selfish about it, but there's something also uh, about sharing that moment. I think mm. like, I like the social aspect of wine. I mean, yep. when I sit down with people and have a, a great meal and I pour them, something special. I'm, I'm giving them something and inviting them something. But I also like the feeling of uh, having my own sip and having it sort of warm my mm -hmm. my chest and, and my soul and uh, sort of open up conversation. So I think, I think it's, uh, yeah, taking a moment to pause selfishly, but also like, I, I wish it could deliver more wonderful social moments where we aren't distracted and we're just enjoying each other. Oh, that's so cool. And it really is like a time to be able to set intentions, which is cool. And you can, you know, I think that when a bottle is well thought out, it can, it can deliver that too. It's funny, like you look in your fridge, if you get a really good bottle of wine that you're chilling or something, it's like, oh, that's going to be a good time. Like, you know, that's, you're right. going to have fun. Where if I look at my, you know, my steak or my T-bone, I'm never like, oh, that's going to be a great time with everyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which it will be, too, but, but you know, <laughs> but like, it just represents like, you know how you're going to feel and you know, you're going to like stop and enjoy, which is just so cool. So you're doing, uh, you, you started your company, which I would love for you just to share. You have another branch that you're doing as well off of your company. So if you could share a little bit about the two different things that you're working in. Yes, sure. So, um, you know, the core company or the parent company is called Wink. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to wink.com and you can find some really amazing wines from around the world, all direct from source. Um, and we do a cute little quiz that tells us about your palate. And then we start to make 
recommendations based on those answers. And then based on um, how you engage with the wines versus ratings and mm. ordering and, and you name it. So it's a pretty cool universe. The way we think about wink.com is it's like, if you had, if you could do a one page wine list um, from around the world, what, what would it look like? And that's what we're kind of shooting for. Very so cool. you can try all different varietals and really explore all of our brands and all of our products are available there. We also sell uh, a smaller set of, um, of projects that we started online with our online customers. They rated them, loved them, enjoyed them. Uh, they kind of became brands in a virtual world and are in our community before taking them out and selling them into restaurants and retailers. So that would be, Summer Water is a great example of that and Folly of the Beast. And we have um, a low sulfur wine called Cherries and Rainbows, which is really cool. Mm. So those are sold kind of in restaurants, retailers um, on a national basis. And then we just launched a really exciting new project, really based on what we were seeing in the market, um, some personal preferences for things that, that we enjoy, uh, and then feedback from our, our community of, of customers. And that's called Wonderful Wine Company. And so we've been working on this for a couple of years. I think uh, organic products, natural products, natural wines are are certainly an exciting and emerging trend in our space. And I think that if you look at other consumer categories, even cosmetics, I mean, food, of course, people really care about it, but cosmetics, um, other categories, um, you just haven't seen the, the same sort of value proposition and focus and, and dedication in wine uh, that you have in these other categories. And part mm-hmm. of that is just the consumer understanding of the, of the wine category. Now, totally. wine's a natural product, certainly, but a lot of the wines that you find uh, in stores are, are sort of mass produced and, and manipulated in ways that the consumers don't necessarily know. Um, mm-hmm. So Wonderful Wine Co. kind of cuts against that with full transparency and a focus on everything we can do to make this as environmentally sound and delicious as possible. Yeah, I, I love it. It's so funny, you know, because I lived in California for a long time as of up until two weeks ago. Um, but I would have these friends who were just like, you know, they would only wear like natural clothing and they would only eat natural food. And then all of a sudden, like when they were drinking, they would drink whatever the hell was available, you know, <laughs> whatever was in yeah. front of them. And I was always like, that seems funny. Like they don't care at all about what they're drinking, which is fine. I totally have like, I'm a walking paradox as well. But I always thought like, man, there's, I don't know if there's a lot out there that when I go to the liquor store, it's like really clear that there's, you know, better options, which is so cool that you guys are doing that. And you're doing it a really fun way. Like I love the branding. I love like the oh, the thanks. messaging around it. It's super, super fun. Uh, totally speaks to me. And I know that you said before this, you're like, let's talk about anything hippie. And I was like, wow, you're, you embody, <laughs> you embody that brand. Um, so it's so much fun. It's like, it feels like fully, what I'm loving is it, it, it truly feels like a brand. Like, um, you know, I look, I look at the shelves a lot and, and it's like, there's not necessarily a story attached to, even though I think wine tells its own story. It's kind of like also like feeling a personality within that wine, which is so much fun. So what made you, uh, kind of decide to go the route that you went where it felt like a lot of personality within the company, within like on the bottle? essentially. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we wanted to start with organic products, um, you know, great quality, um, low intervention, uh, no additives or anything like that. So um, the product was, was really important. And then as we thought about like, you know, how do we, how, to, how do we tell it? We've, we've got great product. How do yeah. we tell like a, a story that's kind of interesting and fun for people that we can really like lean into? We came up with this idea of uh, wellness without deprivation. Mm. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their own kind of version of wellness. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's wine. So, I mean, you're drinking an alcoholic beverage. So some people don't drink because of their wellness program. Others feel they need to drink a lot because, because of their of wellness their program. Wellness program. <laughs> 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 yep. Varying degrees, but, it, but it's wine. And so, you know, one thing about wellness is that it's, it's just not, it's not rigid. And I think this is a change that has occurred in the last five years. Yeah. Even there are a lot of different things that uh, mean wellness to a lot of different people, and you kind of pull in different things that you find uh, works for you. It doesn't have to be this like extremely rigid set mm-hmm. uh, of sort of inputs for your body or your life. And so that's how we approached it. And we were like, well, if it's if it's wellness without deprivation, then it's really like it's a wholesome 
uh, it's a wholesome sort of better for you selection that's optimistic on life, right? Because mm. you're it's still wine, you're still celebrating, you're still sharing those moments. And we were like, so let's just go super optimistic and and wonderful. So it's really fun because it's so non-traditional. Like in our our ads and our social channels, it's like our tasting notes are like taste like dolphin rides and um like scoring, you know, scoring and and, and, and being it. an astronaut. And yeah. like I just murdered that, but it's right here. <laughs> Tastes like dolphin rides and being promoted to head astronaut. Oh my God. And I see. Tastes it's like, amazing. Uh, tastes like magic hour being right and beating the high score. Oh, that tastes um, good. And so we've got like this stealthy, doesn't that, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, like give that. me some of that. <laughs> and so we've got this amazing, like pure product, but the way we talk about it, we just created a platform to have as much fun as we possibly could with it. I have to take a minute to tell you about Super Coffee. You guys, if you ask my husband one quirky thing about me, he would probably say it's that when I find something I love, I could literally eat it or drink it every single day of my life. And that's exactly what happened with Super Coffee long before this partnership even evolved. I was having Super Coffee every single day in the afternoon and still am because all the time I'm constantly looking for something to snack on and I love my beverages. So you guys, this is such a great alternative for me to not only get that sweet fix, but also to get something that's super satisfying. So Super Coffee is healthy and delicious. It's a great alternative to sugary coffee drinks like Frappuccinos, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, energy drinks, all of the things. It combines the caffeine from coffee with protein and healthy fats, and it gives you hours of focused energy with no jitters or crash. You guys, the first time I tried it, I literally could not believe that it was only 80 calories. It's keto-friendly, lactose-free, and gluten-free. It's a bestseller. Their bestseller is their bottled coffee, but they also make tasty canned espressos, coffee creamers, and ground coffee. I've been using the coffee creamers every single morning. My favorite flavor is the mocha in their ready-to-drink bottle. And it was recently named the fastest growing food and beverage brand in America by Inc. Magazine. You guys, they also have this amazing chocolate mint flavor. And if you love chocolate mint, I'm telling you, it is epic. Super Coffee has a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back, no questions asked. We've worked out an exclusive deal for Earn Your Happy listeners. Receive 25% off your entire first purchase. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs or bundles. It's a great way to try all of their delicious flavors. To claim this deal, go to drinksupercoffee.com forward slash Lori or use code Lori at checkout. Super Coffee is also available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. You guys pick some up. You'll thank me. And so I think getting to that place though in your career or like, honestly, it's getting to that place within yourself. You know, I think a lot of people would love more freedom in what they do or in their business. Was there a moment when you were just like, you know, maybe looking at the old model or or deciding to be a bit disruptive that you were just like, you know, I need to make sure that I'm having fun because this is when I'm at my best. Or what was like that moment of just like, I'm going to do what feels good. Like what was, what were you weighing it against like a previous experience and what made you decide to just go completely opposite of what wine people would essentially like to describe a wine as, you know what I'm saying? Like what you did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know if you've ever done an Enneagram. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Love that. I'm like a seven, eight. Okay. So I'm like, I'm an enthusiast. So I focus on one thing and then I just like, yep. I'll discover something that captures my attention mm-hmm. and I can't help myself. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but uh, I think it was, um, so I kind of like, I left, left snowboarding for wine. Yeah. And I did wine for a while and I left for finance, which was Fun. pretty dramatic. Pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I went and worked in finance commodity trading for a number of years. And actually my first business was in uh, a financial services business, mm. a brokerage. And then I came back to wine. And when I came back to wine, I was like, I, I want to do a cool hospitality project, but I also want to start making wine. So I started making wine in Argentina. And um, that was the kind of, mm. uh, kind of the point where I found something, not only in, in terms of turning people onto wine, but I love branding. Mm. Like I love like Same. what makes how do you create like more perceived value 
in terms of what's in the glass. It can be a great product, but like it can be even better if people respond to the messaging. What makes people pick something up off the shelf and then really enjoy something and mm-hmm. like come back to it? And so it was really when I was launching my first brand and making wine in Argentina, I decided to do it in a one liter bottle. So it was like a bigger, uh, a bigger bottle and non-traditional yeah. bottle size. And you would think a sommelier would make really expensive wine. I made really inexpensive wine that was high quality. The label looked completely different. It was like a wallpaper design that was like, you know, pretty, pretty progressive. And I just did everything differently. And I think that was a function of being in the snowboarding industry Mm. and being a part of like a tribe there where there was such a, there was so much like currency around visual identities and branding and like who rode for what and like mm-hmm. you know a lot I translated a lot of those things that I really liked into a category that I was also passionate about mm-hmm. and it was different at first and I had to fight to make it succeed like literally fight I think my first wholesale meeting I went into to like sell my brand they were like this bot what do you think this bottle's going to actually fit on the shelf like nobody sells this size bottle and I was like oh my god did I just like put all everything into something that doesn't even fit on a shelf. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I had to fight through. I believed in it. I had to fight through it. It's how I viewed the world. And I thought I could be disruptive. Um, and ultimately it was hard work, but I found that success and that taking that risk and finding that success gives you the confidence um, to continue to be creative mm. uh, and push. And I think in business in general today, you have to be, you have to constantly be reassessing the information that you have with your business, the information that you have from your consumers, the information that's out in the world. And you have to move really quickly and be um, as creative as possible. Yeah. So you're, you're, uh, you're bringing wine to people in a different way than wine has normally been brought to people. And I know it's, it's becoming more and more popular, especially with what's going on in the environment of the world with COVID and everything, but direct to bringing wine direct to consumer to people. So, you know, kind of creating this like kind of, I mean, correct me with how to say it, but like a, a really modern, like membership version of, of a wine club. What, so what made you want to do it that way? Are you guys in stores? Like what made you decide that this is the way you were going to do it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I had been building my own brand through traditional channels, selling into stores, standing in stores, pouring wine for people, telling my story in a one-on-one way. Yeah. Um, and it was very effective. I, it was, it was rewarding for me and it, it, I was selling, you know, building a brand and, and selling uh, my wine. And when I met my partner, he came from sort of a payments uh, background, hospitality background as well, real estate development, and then payments. But in payments, he really understood the lifetime value of a customer and mm. sort of e-commerce metrics of um, acquiring customers and, and, and sort of building a direct relationship. And so we got together and, and, you know, he had gone out and tried to send someone some cool wine. He's, you know, a younger guy was looking for a wine that resonated with him and all the wine clubs were sort of crusty and just selling faceless, nameless, um, sort of like back vintage, not great wine. Um, There wasn't anything that was like really culturally relevant to us. Mm. And we had this passion and experience for the category. And so the idea was really to take the, some of the things I had been doing in hand to hand brand building and connecting with people, his experience in sort of scaling with customers and uh, create something where our me- our message, our stories, our products could go um, beyond uh, the constrictions of geography or mm. people uh, or the traditional wine market. And so we were one of the first direct consumer uh, wine companies. Uh, we've been at it for about eight years now. Wow. So that had to be challenging though, like all the different things and laws and all of the stuff that you had to face with that. And oh my God, can we just talk about shipping costs? So yeah. tell me about some of the challenges and did you have any points in, in, of course you had these points, but tell us about some of the points where you were like, oh my God, this is, I don't know if this is worth it. Maybe this is going to cost way more or not sure if we went the right direction. Oh man, all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All of those, I mean, and that still happens, you know, that still happens. Gosh, I remember we threw a huge event early on. We yeah. were like, this is going to be, this event is going to be so awesome and so cool. And we're going to acquire all of these. This is like really early on. Mm-hmm. We're going to acquire all these customers. We're going to come away and like 90% of the people there are going to be like members and they're going to sign up for, mm-hmm. for a lifetime. 
and it was such a it was an awesome party. We all had an amazing time. We, I think we got like two customers from it. Oh man! Uh, and blew like our entire budget. So I was oh, like, God. okay, that's that's not gonna work. So what went wrong um, with that? If you could I go back, like what had, was uh, it? I don't. I don't think we understand. Like I don't think we understood converting customers to members versus having a great brand moment. Got and it. I think, I think that's constantly in conflict with um, with brands and budgets in terms of of companies. Like they're they're sort of the soft, organic brand building yeah. uh, actions and and opportunities, and then there's sort of the the conversion metrics of what makes a healthy business. And I think we were so early on, we we just had no idea. Oh God, like that's so interesting though, because I, I, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I think that that, I literally see that all the time. And I actually, one of the events that I had hosted for the past nine years, like I think people think it's a great converting thing. Like, oh, you must sell so much stuff from it. And I don't really, but it's a tangible piece of the brand. So I learned to separate them. I was like, okay, this is what makes it really tangible for people, but it's not the like you can get a real expectation hangover, like I'm sure you guys had the next day, if you don't know what it is, right? If, yeah. if you're not like, okay, everybody loves it and they got brand awareness, but maybe we didn't spend enough time like with the conversion portion of of this party potentially. So yeah, exactly. yeah. So what about? I, so I would love to know because there's a lot of people listening who are in that space of like maybe they they're you know putting a lot of their time out in kind of making a splash or or getting their brand out there or getting their business or their coaching business or whatever it is out there. What do you think is the magic of like attraction and then conversion? I know that's a very large question. The magic of attraction and sorry, I missed and the then other part. and then conversion. Like, what needs to happen to convert those people? Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's. I think it's a, a number of things. I think you have to check. I, I don't know. In starting a business, I think you have to check your vision and if it's a. CPG business, for example, or it could be any business. Yeah. Usually you're coming into it with like a, a lot of conviction and a really big vision yeah. uh, on what could be. And I think being, there are many more examples and many more lessons than what I've gone through. But um, that one in particular is kind of like checking your, checking your aspirations uh, against your business case, right? Mm. Like, um, and making sure that you're thinking through when you're deploying dollars uh, and time and resources in an early stage, you want to be realistic with yourself about a return mm. um, until you can get data and sort of adjust from there. And I, I don't think we, it was a big swing for us. Um, the appropriate uh, you know, decision for us would be to try a smaller event uh, yeah. and, and trial it and work on a process in terms of how we communicated with people and, and what the flow was uh, to trigger the result that we need to be sustainable as a company so that we can reinvest and take more risks in the future. Mm. Um, and we clearly just, we, we just didn't do that. So I think it's like checking your vision for the company against your business case and then figuring out how to like A-B test and lean in mm. and, and, and get on a track for optimization and learning versus just like giant, giant swings with uh, enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that is such good advice. I can I can tell you plenty of times when I did that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I continue to do it. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the fun part. That's Sometimes the part where you're like, yeah, this, this idea is brilliant. Like I can feel it. Uh, and and I think for everyone listening, like just the okay, what I would love to know is, you know, you had said if you don't have data. Well, a lot of our ideas don't necessarily have data. So do you guys? go out and look for people who have done something similar and try to collect all that you can? Do you bring people who have done this before? Or are you guys very much like going with your own ideas and just doing them a bit smaller and checking them against your audience? Like, How do you collect your info before you do it? How do we do that now? Yeah, yeah. I think um, now it's kind of changed because we we were successful in in you know taking some risks and moving really quickly but we were able to find some nuggets that became the core of an experience that customers uh were looking for and mm. then we were able to get really efficient really thoughtful in terms of how we connect and how we create value so a lot of it is like testing to you know having a thesis um and a hypothesis around what's valuable and then testing into how to communicate that and how to deliver that uh for people in a repeatable way that gets mm. more efficient over time. So we were lucky. We kind of got, we've been able to get through that phase. Now we're really focused on um, building, building brands and launching new products like Wonderful Wine Co. Mm. And so in the wine business, we're in a unique position where we have this 
community of younger wine drinkers. Most of our uh, most of our wine drinkers are and customers are uh, millennial and Gen X. That's the bulk of them. Um, it's a really it's a really interesting part of the market. Boomers kind of drove consumption and ratings by points and all of these habits for the past you know twenty years, but that's changing uh, rapidly. Mm. And so now we have um, our own internal data points that we can uh, measure against, like. Um, for Wonderful Wine Co., we saw we've seen an increase in lighter, fresher styles of wine, lower sugar styles. It's a low, um, no added sugar wine. Um, so we've seen that as a trend. We've seen increased searches for vegan and sustainably farmed uh, wines on our site, um, and then we've seen some varietal trends. So we're really lucky to be able to have a proprietary data channel that allows us to almost be more innovative. Right? We've got people that that are members of Wink that we've built trust with, that we can now be more innovative and put things in front of them in a small way and get actionable feedback um, that ultimately leads to like a full launch of like a wonderful wine cup. Yeah. So that's amazing. And so cool to watch the evolution of that customer and to be on top of like to understand that customer and then speak directly to them. How are you getting feedback? Are you doing this through, you know, because when we talk to a lot of people, they'll come up with these ideas and I'll be like, so what is, you know, what does your audience want or what does your consumer want? And they're like, I, I actually don't know. And how should I get that feedback? So how are you guys gathering it? Are you asking for it? Are you having people, are you sending surveys? Like what's, what's the best modality that you've been able to get it back? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, it's a combination of things, right? You kind of want to, you want your own intuition and then you want to kind of test your intuition is yeah. how we approach it um, in many ways. But, um, but yeah, we're doing, you know, a typical, you know, an e-commerce company with multiple products and multiple SKUs and a, and a large um, data set of, of consumers. Um, there's a lot of on-site behavior that we can that we can follow. So there's a lot that's happening uh, just in e-commerce metrics in terms of hover states and like heat zones on pages and like where people are going, what they're adding to cart, the velocity mm. of, of the products. We can also look at, you know, what social posts are people uh, responding to what what emails are getting opened, what SMS are people uh, reacting to, and and if you've got sort of a, a synchronized um, communication strategy with these uh, consumers, you can kind of pull pull trends out across the entire spectrum. I also think it's really important to survey uh, your consumers a for NPS, so you know like how you're doing as a company and 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 if you're delivering happiness for people and delivering on your promise. Just for people who don't um, know, that, you said NPS. What is NPS? Uh, net Promoter Score. Okay. So it's like an ongoing uh, survey that that uh, allows you to understand people that are supporting the brand versus mm. detracting the brand okay. and your consumer base. So it's something as a company you can actually follow over time and focus your team on improving. So if you're doing a better job with the quality of your wines or your delivery or whatever it is, mm. it should show up in your net promoter score. Um, okay. So you're surveying your customers in a, in a sort of programmatic way. Yeah. Um, also think it's super important to um, know who your best customers are and speak directly to them. Mm. I've definitely picked up the phone and we encourage our team to, to pick up the phone if they'll talk to us to share what it is that they like or, or, or dislike or want to see from us. So you want to you talk to your customers because the way people may perceive you might be very different than the way uh, you perceive yourself. So there's yeah. some learnings there. And then we do innovation surveys and, you know, uh, types of surveys where we let the, uh, and invite uh, our audience to um, give us their feedback on different ideas that we have and categories that we're thinking about. And that's incredibly valuable too. But I think it's this whole spectrum from sort of super technical data and, and site behavior, clicks and open social listening, all the way through um, programmatic surveying. And then picking up the phone and and actually talking mm-hmm. to your customers face to face, you usually learn so much. Oh my God, there's so much to be said about that because right now someone might be listening and they're like, "Well, I, I can't really do that data end, or I don't, you know, have access to that, or maybe they I feel like that's way over my head." But there's still, just like you said, some of the most power is actually in picking up the phone, just throwing out a survey, whether it's on email or it's Instagram or whatever that is. Like I, yeah, I can't believe how much you can get back just from what we already have. At our at our fingertips, yeah. The the company that I'm building right now, like I actually had them build the branding with me with what resonated most, and I can yeah. tell you, like it's 
accurately for the exact person that I'm talking to because it was built right. by them. Um, yeah. So it, it just, it's, we all have access to it now. It's such a cool world that especially now with, with your brand, it's so social media friendly, especially for, you know, who you're going after that there's so much data there that's accessible to everyone. So if you guys are listening, you, ha- you already have, you know, places that you can access all, a lot of this information to get started or, or to move forward even more. So what is something that is like lighting you up right now that you're just like, I am so super excited about this project that I get to work on, or maybe it's like this idea that's not out there yet. Maybe you can't share it. Maybe you can share a little bit about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty focused on wonderful wine co that we're just in such early days. We, you know, we just launched a few, a few months ago. And it's really, it's awesome because it's a startup within a startup. Yeah. So you have all of the same decision points and challenges where we have some reference on what we think the business can be, but it's very dynamic. Mm. And like you said, the future, it, like we're still still designing the future of it. Um, so that's super exciting. Mm. And I love that it's organic. And I love that it's kind of from the brand perspective, it's a bit limitless. Yeah. So that is really exciting for us now. It's like prioritization. And then we're working on a bunch of alternative format uh, projects. And, you know, wonderful wine goes lightweight glass, sustainable mm. corks. Oh, that's cool. Recycled paper. Uh, it's a focus for our company. And I think when you know when you're shipping heavy uh, bottles of glass yeah. all over all over the world, uh, it's really important from a, a farming perspective, but also just a supply chain and, and production perspective. So alternative packaging is. Is super exciting for us right now. We've got a couple of things launching in the beginning of next year that we're just like tinkering with and figuring out right now. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. And I think what's so cool about the evolution of ideas for anyone listening, it's like sometimes we think in the beginning that maybe we're, you know, you're going to be a wine company and this is what you're going to do. And all of a sudden, when you kind of have that down, you're like, I actually love marketing and packaging. And I think that we have an opportunity now that we have an audience. Once you have an audience who's tuned into the same general idea, it's kind of like yeah. all of these cool, fun projects can come from it as long as you keep your focus. <laughs> Correct. The, it's probably very easy to be like, oh, I'm going to shift over here. This is super fun. Um, and then forget, yeah. about, forget about what you're doing. So personally, what's going on right now in your life that you're excited about? Or do you really intersect both. Are you like, you know what? Work is also what I'm most excited about. I am pretty excited about it. We've been very lucky in this this time to keep everyone working and continue to grow. So yeah. um, it has taken a lot of work, spend a lot of time on it. I'm also, I mean, I'm also just trying to like chill out. Mm. That's not a very good answer, but um, no, I, just trying to, I get it. Just trying to chill. Like, Trying to come up with more routines and programs mm-hmm. that uh, built and building better habits that just yeah. kind of can help me out. Like right now, I'm doing a 30 day uh, Wim Hof breath work yeah. um, thing. I love breath work. I've mm-hmm. done like a lot of classes here in Venice, and it's something that I really enjoy. But I kind of got off that, so now I'm just doing 30 days. So it's a lot of like little, little sort of repetition habit building. Uh, tricks. Yeah. And then I have two beautiful uh, children and a, a lovely wife, Gina. Uh, so spending like just trying to make the time with them and, and the best quality. So mm. a lot of it is like, I think for, for me in this period, it's been incredibly busy, but honing in, it's also, I'm trying to hone in on what's, what's really important and be yeah. extremely focused on those things. And there's a lot of sort of joy and excitement that comes from that too. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I talked to a lot of really like high operating energy, you know, what is successful to the external world people who also like, you get those moments of needing like a, a change or needing that moment of like needing, you know, you need to take a little more care of yourself yeah. in order to operate <laughs> at such a high, like, uh, you know, in such a big way. And a lot of people, myself included, do things like that, like the cutoff point, like the I'm just, 30 days. I just, yeah, I'm going totally, all in. Totally. This is it. <laughs> like, it, it, or like, I'm not drinking for two weeks. Like I have, I, I'm obsessed with wine, right? But I have to do that a lot. I'm like two weeks, not drinking. Okay, we're, yeah. we're going to do this. And then just you know, blurt it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're like, it's you're that, by yourself and you just blurt it out. It's, you have to. <laughs> it, it's like talking to your... First of all, I don't know if you talk to yourself, but that is that is keeps me on track. Myself keeps me on track. But 
if that moment of like the cutoff point, what, what do you think that is? Like, why, why do you do that? Like, why did you pick, I just need 30 days? I think it's when, uh, when one behavior is interfering with hmm. your success in another area, right? Yeah. Like I believe in wine and in life, um, balance is huge, is very important, but I'm kind of an obsessive person. And so um, I'd like to build in, you know, I have some pretty good habits, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to be the perfect right. person. I know a few people that I think are perfect. They're probably not, but I'm <laughs> like, man, they're, they got a good routine going. Yeah. They seem to be all over it and have their shit together. Yeah. Um, they probably don't in all, in all reality. Um, so for me, I think it's like when I'm, when I'm like really trying to get something and I feel like I'm not getting there and mm. I can I, identify either causation in my life or something that might help. And then I'm like, 30 days, yep. done. I'm in, committed. Totally yep. And that's a moment that feels, just that moment actually feels pretty good to me yep. uh, when you commit to something uh, like that. You're like, that's it. I'm, I'm making a change and this is what the change is going to be like. And I've now just committed to it. So let's see what happens. God, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Because I, I think the teetering back and forth, like, eh, I'm going to kind of try. That's the worst spot ever. It takes up so much energy because I'll do the thing that's, you know, pulling me away from what I actually want again. And then I'll feel, I'll I'll like feel bad about it. And I'm like, either choose to not feel bad about it or freaking stop doing it. But this in-between like energy expenditure on this thing while your brain's trying to operate on your business or, you know, it's, it's such a a drain, like having that constant thing in the back of your head. It's so true. I mean, prioritization is such a big thing for me and in business, like constantly reprioritizing and thinking about like what are the few things that I can do that um, affect change and mm. what I'm trying to accomplish personally and professionally. But yeah, that kind of if you don't have clarity there or you're kind of like in between, that's why it's nice to have things that are time bound and maybe not too long. Yeah. But if you're like in between, there's like an emotional, there's definitely an emotional drag. You kind of seesaw, and then also just like I feel like people face decision fatigue. I know I get like major decision fatigue where there's too many things hanging out there and you just need to like shut them down and move on. <laughs> yeah. Can you give an example of that? Because I, I couldn't agree with you more, but just what are some things that for, I, I mean, go from maybe your average person to a business operator. What do you think are some of the things that people that you see people just getting stuck on? I think in business, well, I think in business, I think you kind of have to self-check on that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think in business, there's, there are things that I'm just thinking about in the background mm. that I have not addressed. I know I need to, and I know they're either big issues mm. for me to face, either face or, un, or like value to unlock or put away. So for me, it's always things that it's trying to identify the things that you're sort of like you're mm. focused on, but not focused on, but they're yeah. hanging on you. You have to be able to dive into those and spe- create the time and your back-to-back Zooms or whatever your life looks like with kids or who knows what, but everybody's short on time. You got to create the time to like go deep and try and find a solution. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, it's, um, it's so worth it because oh um, it keeps you moving on whatever it is. It could be a personal thing. It could be a health thing. It could be a family thing. It's worth, it, we're so distracted now. So like if you can uh, you know, sense what that thing is, identify it. And then take the time to dive in deep and try and solve it. You know, that's that's how I try and approach it. Yeah, best advice ever, you guys, for sure. Um, I, I always like I view it as having all of your windows on your computer open, and you really just right. want to focus on the one that's up right now. But you know, you have um, you have every single tab draining your battery. And I used to think I didn't have energy. I was like. I don't know if I have the energy to be able to run a company like this. I'm not sure. And then I realized I had a million windows open that just aren't important that I, they are important, but they needed to be dealt with. And it's like, oh, life is. And I think that is how majority of people are operating. Like there's always that conversation they need to have. There's always that boundary they need to set. There's always that, you know, thing that they need to forgive in themselves or another person or a family member. And it just, I mean, we only have so much energy in a day and it just freaking drains you. So you don't have to tell me right now, but do you have one right now that's just like eating at you that you can feel your energy going to? Or are you, do you always kind of get a plan around it or how do you deal no. with it? 
No, I probably have like three or four. Some I probably don't want to talk about, but yeah, we don't have to talk about them. Those are always I mean, the ones no one wants to talk some, about. Too. Some five uh, all the time. Um, I mean, I've got some business things that I'm trying to uh, to figure out, and um, it, without going too deep into it, it's a directional strategy that requires clarity before. Um, before everyone starts like going in that direction and working as a team to achieve it. And it's not quite there. Mm. And so there are people kind of in between, which Mm -hmm. um, is frustrating for people and uh, also not effective. Mm. And so I need to stop and, and like get an answer, (laughs) find an answer. I know that's not really descriptive, but it's around a, it's around a long-term roadmap for something that requires significant investment. And um, requires high alignment from our our team and organization, and I, I feel like I'm kind of roadblocking with this challenge that I need to unblock. Yeah, I you know I I actually think it makes perfect sense because I think in our uh, teams of different things that we've done throughout whatever that is, it's kind of like if I have another partial vision and I just gave them a different vision and then I bring in this other one because I'm an idea machine and that's actually like right. a huge thing I need to hone in. Um, <laughs> that they get really. I watch them get that's out of anything else that could like go wrong in the team. It's typically they're, they're going different directions or they're confused on what I'm trying to tell them because they can't get focused. Right. It's like how we feel when we're not focused. It's like your energy is kind of just, you're just like throwing crap all over and nothing goes anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You want to avoid sort of churn and confusion. And uh, that's why alignment and like culture in a business is so, uh, important. You've got to have that trust and then be able to have those uh, conversations to get to alignment. But um, yeah, I totally agree. So that's something that I'm I'm working on. Yeah. Not too descriptive, but you understand the problem clearly. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got one right now that, yeah, I'm solving. Um, we can chat afterwards and help each other through it. Yeah, for real. For real. Um, so who helps keep you in check in your life? Who or what? Oh, who or what? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pretty much everyone. I mean, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a long lead. I mean, I guess I'm kind of a likable guy, so I get away with. Uh, I don't know if I can say that, but I get away with more probably than I should. Um, but certainly, my my kids, my wife, um, my my business partner. Um, it's pretty awesome having a, a business partner. Actually, mm-hmm. um, we you know we have very different uh, styles of community. Everything. Communication, looking at the world, um, you know, running a business, um, but it's been incredibly value, valuable. We check each other all the time, and sometimes we're we're really good at it and how we communicate it, and sometimes we're not so good. Yeah. Um, but it's a work in progress, and having a, having a partner um, that you really respect and and you guys can challenge each other mm. um, has been incredibly valuable for me. So we keep mm. each other in check. Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> oh my God. That just resonated super deep. Like I'm, I'm it's funny. I'm, I'm building a company, but right now I'm like dreaming of that person who I can bring in in different ways. But like, m- I, I really feel like as humans, our best ideas obviously do come like together and ideating together. And like, also, yeah. also I'm sure you feel like some serious accountability for showing up where when, if you were alone, you'd be like, the end of the day, it's my company. If I fail, it's only on me. But when I have someone else, I'm like, oh, dang, like, you know? Uh, absolutely. I actually have worked with a, with like a, a corporate coach or some leadership coaches yeah. who have helped us with some, like some cultural things with, with our team. And that was a huge part of it was mm-hmm. having someone to, to speak with openly, um, but that I was also accountable to on a regular basis. And that, it was pretty interesting. Just that fact alone, that accountability makes you sort of address some of those difficult decisions and um, makes you work on things in a cadence that might slip if you were left to your own devices. For sure. (laughs) Okay. I could talk to you all day, but my last question for you is what do you want? Like if you could only leave one thing with people in the world, like just you had a billboard, this was your billboard. It's the only thing that you could leave in the world, like a piece of advice. What's something that you just want people to know about life? Something I want people to know about. I'm conflicted. Wisdom. Yeah, billboard or life. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I had a billboard idea and then I was like, what do I want people to know about life? Yeah, you're like, wait, um, I love marketing. What can I put on a billboard? Yeah, I was like, I've got a great idea there. I think just that, gosh, I wish I had something better to say. Oh, I usually um, don't. So I'm excited to hear your answer too. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's like the, you got to just like believe in yourself, but accept yourself mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that balance of like life is life is going to change. But why don't we just stop there? Believe in yourself, but also, you know, accept yourself yeah. as well. Grace. It's the only way you can actually grow. For sure. I love that. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I would love for people to learn about how they can like be a part of what you're doing and uh, get all of the wine. Yes, please visit us at uh, wink.com or wonderfulwine.com or in any number of uh, retailers and and hopefully soon more of our restaurant partners coming back. And uh, we'd love to pour you a glass of wine and share what we're so excited about. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You guys, it's literally such a fun brand. It's the most beautiful, fun branding. I think it's such an awesome gift because it's very unique. You're giving wine, but you're giving wine in such a... It it feels like a new experience of wine. So definitely go check it out. Something that we love to do for our guest, Brian, is that everybody gets to either tag you or the wine brand and let you know what their biggest takeaway was. So what would you like them to tag on Instagram? Uh, you can tag uh, at Wonderful Wine Co. Um, I'm at B Smithley. Yep. Okay, amazing. So you guys definitely tag those two tags and let him know what your biggest takeaway was or if you had an aha moment. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to share with you. Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network, and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton, and it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, Not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody going to be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. 
Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.